Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist. This is Sarah Lewis. It's not. It's me, Amanda. <laughs> I am just pretending like I'm Sarah because she loves that part. But for real, welcome to Podcast Therapist presented by Virginia Family Therapy. Hi, Caroline. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm totally great. I'm excited about this episode. Me too. I'm so excited. Today, Amanda and I are interviewing my dear friend, Kayla Hayes. So Kayla and I worked together at a school in Nashville. It was like my first job out of grad school and Kayla's first job out of college. Yeah, it was, it's a throwback. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she has gone on to do amazing things and she's a board certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner who specializes in perinatal mental health. So we are going to like deep dive into some postpartum issues today with her. So this is for like anyone who, you know, has had a child, whether you're a mom or a dad, or whether you're about to like have your third baby, or you're sort of like retrospectively looking back at things and trying to understand like, oh, yeah, what was going on after I had my kiddo. So Kayla, welcome. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're thrilled. And I love to talk about baby stuff, because I have had three kids. And now I'm like, definitely done. And I'm sad. So looking retrospectively around like pregnancy and my hormones and all of that stuff, I'm actually now I actually have time and space to think about it and understand it. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah, that's awesome. I I feel like there's a lot of information to kind of be given out um, that a lot of people don't know, especially folks who have had, you know, three or four or even one child. Well, I totally agree with you because I have realized essentially in the last five years, I have ended up hearing so many more women and so many more of my friends talking about postpartum anxiety or anxiety while they were pregnant, right? What is that called when you're pregnant? Like perinatal anxiety? Yeah. So it's all under the classification of what we call PMADS. I guess that's kind of a provider term, but it's kind of an umbrella term of all of the mood disorders that can happen during perinatal um, time and postpartum. So that includes, so PMADS is, it includes perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And to kind of break that down, so perinatal is a time from conception through the first year after giving birth and and postpartum is the first year after giving birth. So really all of those mood and anxiety disorders during that time. Okay. Yeah. So essentially like that two-year period from when you get pregnant to when the baby turns one. Yeah, absolutely. Which by the way, I always tell my friends, like, you're not going to have your full brain back until that baby hits one. And then when the baby hits one, you can almost like, you're like, oh, this is who I was, 
right? But I didn't even know that that was actually a legitimate thing until just now. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think too, there's, you know, a lot of people, there's a buzzword around postpartum depression, right? And so a lot of people think of that as, you know, being super depressed, not being able to take care of baby. And while that's certainly important, there's also different mood and anxiety disorders that can happen postpartum that I don't think there's a lot of information about, especially for mothers and um, family members, such as anxiety disorders, panic disorders, and, and OCD. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends who have recently had kids in the last year or two. And I think, I feel like what we're on watch for as a society is postpartum depression, right? Like we've heard that word. And I feel like a lot of the moms I'm close to are like, I didn't even know that postpartum anxiety was a thing. I just knew that something didn't feel right, especially like soon after I brought my baby home from the hospital. And I thought that this was just motherhood, right? Especially if it's your first kid and you don't have anything to compare it to. And they're like, I thought this is just what it was. And then I realized like, either I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, something else was going on. Or at some point in a follow-up appointment, right? It was like, it was apparent enough that someone caught on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many shoulds in motherhood, right? Like you should be concerned about your child and it's, it's normal to have crippling anxiety about your child. And and that's just a part of what motherhood should be. And getting away from the shoulds, you know, if a mother is having anxiety that can look like rage, irritability, just not being able to manage her day-to-day tasks or not having a lot of distress tolerance, it's important to go seek care and, and help. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. So we're talking about postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. which you're saying the symptoms of that are rage, a lot of not being able to manage your own emotions. What, what, are, what are the other symptoms? Um, so that can be physical. There's a lot of somatic type of symptoms to anxiety. So for instance, headache, stomach ache. Um, a lot of times women will come in and they just will feel crappy. Um, you know, they might have chest pain, they might have stomach ache, they might have headache, and they're not really equating it to them feeling very anxious after delivery. And of course, you have some of your well-known symptoms of anxiety, which can be, you know, over excessive worry, thoughts, um, and things like that. But it can look a little different in postpartum, especially just being like super irritable is one that I see a lot. I mean, I always, I always tell my friends that when you have a kid and maybe I just have a whole bunch of anxious friends now that I think about it, like you're either the kind of mom that's going to be obsessive about how much your kid is eating and what they're eating or obsessive about their sleep schedule. Like, When I had my babies, I could literally talk for hours about their sleep schedule ad nauseum. Um, And all I wanted to do was like control their sleep schedule. And I'm sure I probably had some moments of rage around that. Is that kind of how it comes out? Or is that considered, quote unquote, normal parenting behavior? Yeah, I think it it depends on each individual. But I would say if it affects your day-to-day tasks and it's getting in the way. So for instance, you know, your whole day's messed up because your child's sleep schedule's messed up or your relationships in your life are being affected. Um, you know, maybe you're super irritable with your partner or 
you're breaking things and you wouldn't normally, that's when I think it's time to kind of reach out. Um, it's when it's affecting aspects of your life that it wouldn't normally, or you wouldn't normally have an issue with before. I'm like, really now I'm like, oh, wait, we were supposed to be talking to the other people on the pod retrospectively, but here we are. <laughs> because, because here's where I'm, I'm curious is how do you know if it's postpartum anxiety or if it's postpartum sleep deprivation that's making you act insane? Or is that kind of one and the same thing? I think it plays into a part. I mean, a, a huge part of developing postpartum depression or anxiety, um, of course, has multiple factors and they're not super well known because research on women's you know, conditions are, are not well funded. Um, but sleep deprivation goes into it and plays a huge role. I mean, that's one of the things we tell expecting people is to make sure that you have sleep hygiene before you even have the child. So I think it, I think it's kind of nuanced and it plays into both. Can you tell us how many, like how prevalent are perinatal mood disorders? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as like postpartum depression goes and anxiety, it's about one in five to seven women um, who will develop this. But also um, important to note is one in 10 men will also develop oh. this when their partner is postpartum as well. So it really affects the whole family. I mean, I know that it's considered kind of a woman's, I guess, disorder or things like that, but it really affects the whole family system, or at least it can. Well, because you would also say there's a there's a DSM or like a diagnostic thing that clinicians use that's adjustment disorder, right? And adjusting to a baby is, of course, going to be hard. So whether it's hormonal or just like empathy pains for your partner, it would make sense that a person in that system going through such a big change would also feel depression or anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge life changing, you know, event. And also, I, I think it's important to consider that it it's not always something that's like, so beautiful and planned. A lot of times there are some trauma around birth, and it's maybe your birth plan didn't go the way that you wanted it to, or maybe you had an emergency C-section that you didn't expect or didn't plan, and how that can really play into our emotions. And recovering from this event and also having to take care of a new life. It's absolutely life-changing. And that's not only going to affect you, but of course it's going to affect your partner. Kayla. <laughs> so actually this is, this is not about me, but it will be. So I, when I had a pretty tough birth with my second child, my middle son, yeah. Like I just, I didn't, I, he came super quickly and I was screaming at the hospital staff, what should I be praying for an epidural or this baby to get here? And they were kind <laughs> of like, we don't know. And yeah. all I wanted was an epidural. So yeah. it just like came out of nowhere, right? Everything that went along with that. And so when I was getting ready to have my third son, I think it triggered my own trauma response. So it was pre-birth, but I was losing my mind. And then of course my husband was like, what are you scared about? And I'm like, don't you remember? But I think you're right. It impacted both of us based on, and that was my third baby. And, yeah. and I was still so anxious about it. And it was pre-birth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes total sense to me. You know, your body knows when it's getting into a risk, especially if you've had it before, right? Your body was trying to protect you. 
because it was like, wow, this is a really scary thing that I went through before Mm -hmm. and I'm about to go through it again. And I think that that's important to note that, you know, whether you've, you're expecting your first child or whether you went through your third child, these disorders can develop at any, you know, any pregnancy simply because maybe you did have a really traumatic birth or, um, you know, maybe things in your life are different. You know, maybe you have a little bit more stress or maybe this pregnancy wasn't planned. Um, So there's a lot of factors that can play in. And it's important, I think, you know, if you had one great pregnancy to be like, oh, I'm good. I didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't have anxiety. It's like, well, I mean, every pregnancy is at risk. And what we found is that, you know, protective factors that we think of like um, socioeconomic status or money are not really protective. It does affect all people in all walks of life. I have a question. Yeah. (laughs) If you, so let's say you have your first baby and you do have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, are you more likely to have that with subsequent kids or no? Yes, absolutely. You are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's not always you know, considered detrimental. Um, sometimes it's really nice to know that because then you can get a good game plan before your next pregnancy, of course, if, if it's planned. And that, you know, that looks like getting a good team on board, whether that's you're working with your therapist on coping skills and maybe a plan, you know, who's on my team, but also, um, you know, seeing a med provider like myself who feels comfortable prescribing during pregnancy and maybe getting you on some, you know, baby friendly medication that we can monitor you through pregnancy and then postpartum. And a lot of times that's a game changer and it's a completely different experience if we can kind of treat it before it happens. Mm -hmm. Can I ask another question? Yeah. This one is about me. So you're telling me (laughs) that my obsession with my kids' sleep schedules, right? I actually did not care about like how much breast milk they were having. I was terrible. And I just went to formula just because it was so, that was so stressful. I had to take it off my plate, right? Yeah, absolutely. Schedule, I was like real crazy about. Are you telling me that like a little SSRI could have really helped me at that time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really do. And darn um, it. How did I miss that? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's important to note too, because I, I think there's this old school way of thinking that's like, you know, oh, you should you should be really worried about everything you put in your body. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but, you know, oh, how could you take an SSRI, you know, that's really going to affect the baby or, you know, um, not really putting emphasis on maternal mental health and kind of shaming women for taking care of it during pregnancy. But that's really not what the research shows. I mean, the research shows that we do have really good medications that we can give through pregnancy. Of course, there are always risks, but there are always risks with every medication. And that when we treat through pregnancy, we see less relapse in symptoms. Um, You know, if you're looking at a mother or an expecting person who has bipolar, right? And um, they stop their meds in the middle of being pregnant. They are at risk for becoming, you know, super depressed or maybe manic, which of course is not great for the baby, but also, you know, are they taking care of themselves as well as they could if they were on medication? Mm -hmm. So that's really important to take into consideration. I think 
the research shows that about 72% of women who are already diagnosed with bipolar, if they stop their medication during pregnancy, will have a relapse in symptoms. And I think that's super important to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm almost thinking too, like, I, I do think there's so much out there about postpartum depression. And I think that what, what we know is that when women are experiencing postpartum, it can pose a risk to their kid to not be medicated because it impacts how they're interacting with their child. Right. So when a mom is non-responsive, um, or so tired and so exhausted and feeling so down, they're not always able to interact with the child in the way that they would want to. And that can have an impact. It also may not. Right. So if you've experienced that, like it also really may not. But I think with like the anxiety piece, I think for me, and of course it's about me, but I think that I, what I experienced is probably pretty prevalent is like, you're anxious about everything. So maybe you're overcompensating and too in your child's face. And that can also, that can also have some negative outcomes associated with it because kids don't learn to be flexible or kids don't learn, you know, what are the impacts of postpartum anxiety on kids on the babies. Yeah. It can always affect um, attachment styles. I know we, we talk about that a lot in psychology, but it can also, you know, create anxiety, like you said, within the child. But I mean, within the first year, of course, there's a lot of research that shows, you know, how we talk to the child, how much we hold the child, things like that can really affect how they develop. And, um, you know, of course, if there's nervous energy around the child that can really develop. But I think it's important to note that, yes, of course, it's going to affect how the child develops. And I don't know if we really know at what extent that does, but Mm -hmm. it's so important for the mom or the, you know, the birthing person to feel better um, because everything else is going to go better. You know, when we can treat the root cause, um, things are going to go more naturally. You're going to feel less anxious around the child. You're going to hold the child more. It's going to be more positive experiences around the child. So I guess that would be my advice is if we could treat the root cause before that, you know, we don't really even have to worry about that. I'm not really sure. There's a lot of research on on how this truly affects, you know, infants at a cognitive level, but we do know that things seem to go smoother when it's treated. And I think it's important to remember, right? Like when we're talking about this, I think, Amanda, even those of us that are like trained in mental health, like we're not, I think it's so overwhelming that we're not even necessarily attuned to like what's going on for me. Yeah. Because I'm like so focused on getting it right and doing what's best for my baby. And maybe that is where the anxiety is. But I think it's so easy to like miss and I don't feel like our system is set up to like help moms catch this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's important to note that there's a lot of healthcare education programs, whether it's nurse practitioner, PA, a medical doctor, that this is not a part of their curriculum. You know, you really have to search out to kind of get this experience and get this um, education. You know, I have done 
some trainings and I'm working on my certification with postpartum support international. And so they kind of seem to be the largest organization and the leading organization in the United States to get providers the right type of education that they need to, to treat these um, and also give support to families as well. But you're right. It, we're not talking about this at the first, you know, prenatal visit, which we should be. Um, and it, it right now, the way the healthcare set up is that moms kind of have to do their own research to kind of figure out, hey, is what I'm experiencing normal? Is this okay? You know, should I be seeking care for this? And, you know, that's what providers like myself hope to change is really open the conversation, not only in appointments with me as a psychiatric provider, but open the conversation in primary care around these because they are so common. I almost think too, like regarding the postpartum anxiety, which is, has, is only a newer thing right now. I think maybe the baby and maybe in both cases, the baby doesn't, isn't as impacted that much, but I do think the partner relationship is right. So I think that when I was going crazy about my kids sleep, my husband was probably like, what the hell is going on with my wife who usually seems to have it together? By the way, this lasted for eight years because I had a lot of babies. Right. And so I've always said there's this like natural pull between the partner and the mom, because the, the partner who hasn't gone through all those, these hormonal changes, like pulls the wife back into like who they were, or at least they try to. And I almost think in this way, I wish someone would have said to me like, Hey, listen to your husband a little bit. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm the mom and I'm taking on all the responsibility. And you know, this thing that will get in someone's head. And it's important to listen to the partner then because they actually have two feet on the floor sometimes. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times, what we'll see is that if a mom is struggling, it's not necessarily her that reaches out. A lot of times it's a dad who will call in and be like, hey, I'm really nervous about this. Or, you know, she just doesn't seem like herself. You know, I don't know what to do. What are some of the things that I should be doing? You know, or um, they bring the mother, the birthing, you know, the birth parent in. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's important to kind of put in maybe um, perinatal plan is like, who is on my team who knows me the best? Who are people who can, you know, hold up that mirror for me and say, hey, I'm not really looking like myself today. Or, you know, I haven't really been myself. And, you know, I haven't had a child myself, but I do have people in my life, like um, my partner who has been, I have generalized anxiety disorder, who's like, hey, you seem a little more anxious, you know, Um, is everything going okay? You know, should you go in to see your therapist? Should you go get meds? Things like that. That I think it's really important that we look at who can really hold up an honest mirror in our life. I think that makes sense too. And I think, you know, it's probably the partner who lives in the house who sees it first. And I think it's helpful to have both someone who's been a mom and the person who knows the person the best, right? Because another person who has been, who's experienced being a mom and that transition, I think that new moms will be more likely to listen to in addition to their partner. So you probably need a team with a new mom, the partner, whoever knows you best, and then like a medical team, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's always great to have, 
you know, a psychiatric team, whether that's therapy or med provider, who's kind of taken away uh, from, you know, they're not in the house with you all the time. So when you come in, it's kind of a fresh eyes, fresh face. And I really like that you pointed out having a team, right? Um, And a lot of times we talk about the support of your, the own mom or um, the mother of the birthing person plays a huge part in that role, especially if they're in their lives because they know you best and they've been around. um, And a lot of times they can uh, provide a lot of insight to what's going on and kind of coach you through. So um, in holistic uh, psychiatric care, we always um, encourage to have family members, um, not only who live in the home, of course, if that's possible, but also people who have given birth before too, who know you well, like a mother figure or something like that. And then I also have to say, I'm just think I do think sleep plays a huge role because we know how important sleep is as to people's overall functioning. And, you know, society is not necessarily set up for moms to kill it and be really emotionally healthy after we have kids, right? Like I had Cole and I was back at work full time when he was six weeks old. And oh, by the way, I also had to move away from my husband because I was in graduate school and had an internship far away. So of course things were difficult because I had to do it and I had, I just didn't have a choice. I guess I did, but I didn't think I did. Um, well, yeah. And I think there's also just such a fear of like saying just how hard it is. Right. If I start talking about something's not right. Right. Does that make me not as good of a mom? Or does that mean that someone's going to take my baby away? Right. Like if I'm super anxious and I'm like worried about everything, then I'm probably worried that if I go tell a professional about how much I'm freaking out, like what's the consequence? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. And I think, like I said, there's a lot of shoulds and around motherhood. And also to kind of piggyback off of that, it's really hard to get on Instagram and see all these like Instagram moms who look like they have, you know, all of their stuff together and, you know, scroll through that while you're really suffering. So I think it it's not that we talk about it enough in society. I think a lot of times we just put our best foot forward and be like, yes, I love being a mom. You know, look at my picture of me and my extremely organized kitchen, you know, with my my kid when really how long did it take them to get their kitchen that way just for that one picture? I mean, or how much help do they have? Yeah, exactly. It's like social media is not reality, but that's all we see, right? Is these moms that have it all together when really that's not what real life looks like. Well, and I, what I'm also really confused about is that women do talk to each other. That, like we really do talk to each other. And I think that I've seen for sure some of my friends where I'm like, oh, like I'm a little worried about them. And I'm sure some of my friends picked up in me that I was like a crazy person when it came to sleep. Like I think about some of my conversations and I'm like, I must have bored them to tears, right? <laughs> so why... What do we do so that women friends feel better saying to each other, like, hey, you know, that that could be postpartum anxiety. Why don't you go check that out? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that to tons of people, even though I'm a mental health professional. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just breaking the stigma and having this type of education and this type of information available. Um, I think it's really hard to tell somebody 
um, hey, maybe you should get help when A, you don't really know what's going on with them and you don't really know where to lead them either. You know, unfortunately in our society, I still think there's a little bit of hush-hush around somebody struggling with maybe a mood disorder or an anxiety disorder. They'd be like, oh yeah, hey, you know, Caroline, it doesn't sound like she's doing really well when really it could be like, hey, I know you're struggling. You know, these are some resources or this is a person that I've seen before that can help me or that helped me. Or maybe it's also that when our friends are having kids, we're also having kids. And so like, you're not even, you're also struggling when your friend is struggling. And so you don't have the time or space to even think about what to say. And maybe we all need to kind of contribute to that. Like we're all taking care of each other. Excellent point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there is a sense of community around raising kids that sometimes I think we miss out on in the United States, um, just because our lives are so busy and we're all kind of doing our own thing. And yeah, a sense of community is really great. You know, if a mother doesn't have a lot of support, we always recommend getting in with a postpartum support group if possible, or even doing like a peer mentorship just to have somebody else there to kind of help mm-hmm. support them with their mental health. But also, you know, it's it's helpful to have another extra set of hands or resources. Uh, I know that it's sometimes hard for people to find these type of things. You're like, oh, great. Well, now I have to find, you know, a postpartum support group. But, you know, Postpartum International on their website, you can just kind of look up where you live and they have postpartum groups everywhere. So usually they are at night or at noon. They almost have them every time of the day. And they even have virtual ones as well right now um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So just knowing that there is support out there as well. Yeah. And I will admit like a lot of people around me have had kids. Like my sisters both have kids and like a lot of my friends do. And I'm like, guys, it is eye opening. (laughs) I thought I had an idea of what it was like to become a mom. And I just don't think like until you're that close to it with people that you're really close to, you have any perspective. And I still think that, you know, when I get to become a mom, it's going to be so mind blowing that I'm like, Oh my God, I thought I knew like a little bit about this and I didn't, but I'm like, I just, Yeah. I'm like, I can totally see how like, if you're having kids at the same time as your sibling or the same time as friends that like, everyone is just so in it Mm -hmm. that like, you just, and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I think people are going to be like more around by the time I have a kid because I'm going to have kids later. Right. And it's just like truly mind blowing and amazing. And I just am like, I want us to get a handle on this as a society and as a healthcare system, because it's just like so much unnecessary suffering. Mm -hmm. Like if we just knew, if people knew more about this, moms would feel better. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I mean, this is treatable. And another thing that, you know, I like to tell moms or expectant mothers or parents is that this is treatable. This isn't your fault and, and we're going to get you well. Um, you know, because a lot of times there is a lot of shame around, oh, well, why do I feel this way? You know, this is a blessing or, you know, if if it was an expected pregnancy or there's just a lot of thought around that. But um, yeah, I think if we, if we had more information on it, we'd be 
better able to get people in and stop this suffering mm-hmm. for sure. Well, and I even think, you know, I'm kind of crazy about evolutionary psychology and evolutionary psychology is this idea that like our bodies are really hunter gatherer bodies evolutionarily. Like we have not adapted as quickly as society has adapted. And so really we, when we have kids, we should be in caves. Our bodies are used to being in caves with lots of other women, caregivers that are maybe 10 years out of having kids and, and ranges intergenerational relationships. And so I think that stuff felt better to women when they were having babies before, you know, hundreds of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And people were able to step in and help when someone was having a hormonal negative reaction. And in the way we have separated society out so much, it's like, no wonder, no wonder women are struggling. We're going through these whole changes, living in homes, kind of isolated from the people that we need the most. So if you are a woman who has experienced something like this, of course, of course you did, because you didn't have a baby in a way and you didn't have a community in a way that's really healthy for us. Yeah, absolutely. Caroline, I got you. <laughs> when you have a baby, I Thank got you. Goodness. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. You got to build that community. But then I'll also say on this, sorry, now I'm really going. It's also really hard as a new mom to accept help. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I can say, I got you all I want, Caroline, but you're going to have to also be like, you know what? It's going to be hard for me to accept help at that time because that's built into our society. So I need to fight that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Part of like the the perinatal plan that I've talked about before is kind of listing, you know, who do you want to help you, but also what do you want them to help you with? And so if there are tasks that you're like, oh, you know, I really want to do this. This is something that I'm really important. Having that written down, but also thinking about, okay, what's not as important to me if somebody helps? Is that laundry? Is that, you know, getting dinner? Things like that. And just kind of, if there are some things that you feel like are sacred to you in this time, I think that's okay. But knowing that there's other things you can let go and other people that you can trust to to get those tasks done. Mm -hmm. So I think for those listeners out here, there are probably a few that are still, maybe you're going to have some babies and congratulations to you. Um, And there's some that probably are listening retrospectively like me and being like, oh, so maybe that's what happened or maybe that's how I explain it. And what I want to say to those moms who maybe are having some realizations or maybe have any sort of like shame and guilt around this is you don't deserve to have that, right? One of the things about being a parent is that we're constantly problem solving and problems constantly kind of come up for us as parents, whether it's our own problem, our kids' problem, whatever it is, problems happen. And and part of it is how do we problem solve around it? And so even if you're just listening to this, that's part of solving the problem. And and you don't have to feel badly about that. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't know what we don't know. What we're basically talking about today is how little this is being addressed and how it's not part of mainstream healthcare or even like mainstream mental health. And so if you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had known, but I didn't know, I'm kind of like, of course you didn't know. Like that makes total sense. And so, 
you know, maybe like the nugget or the takeaway is like, Hey, now that I know more about this, right? Like if I see someone who's struggling, I have a resource that I can direct them to, or I know that I can say, Hey, a lot of new moms go through this. I think I might have, and I didn't know. And like, can we, if I'm like on your team, like, Hey, can we talk about like, if you're okay? Well, I also think parents uh, have different strengths at different developmental stages of a kid's life. Right. So I actually think I'm pretty good with babies. Like I love babies, but I, I think I was so anxious that I probably wasn't like the best to my toddler and my older children at that time. Like if I'm thinking about my third baby, um, I think they probably ended up getting the short end of the stick at that time. And guess what? They're still in my house. I'm still in a relationship with them. And now, now that I've made this realization, maybe I am better with like a 10 year old kid, like toddlerhood is not really my jam. And so I have time in a different developmental stage where I have other gifts to really capitalize on my strengths and do things differently. And that's exciting. That's part of the beauty of being a parent is we get to use different parts of ourselves at different parts of our kids' development. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to just know, you know, whatever is happening, whether it's anxiety, it's low mood, it's depression is, is not your fault. And I think it's also important, like Caroline said, that maybe we just take this and if we reflect and say, Hey, you know, maybe I did have this and it still kind of bothers you. This is a really good point to talk about in therapy. This could be a trauma that is still affecting you and, and maybe something to work through, but also we talked a lot about having a community around you while you have a child. And this is so important. Your experience, your story is so important and could help somebody else. And that you could be the person who notices that in somebody else um, and that you could be the one to reach out. So, you know, turning a negative experience into something that could be a guiding light for somebody else is really special. But I think it also highlights a part of your story that might still have, you know, some trauma or some emotions around it that you can also do the work as well. Because, you know, if you're looking back on this, you know, a pregnancy that you had five years ago, you still might be carrying that trauma in your body. It still could be coming out in different ways in your life. And to be able to identify that as somewhere, uh, something you want to work on is huge. I agree with that. I'm even just thinking about it as you say it, and I totally get it. I think you're right. So Kayla, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you, how do people, as an expert on perinatal mental health, how do people get in touch with you? I'm always up for a a good chat or, or any help any way I can. The best way to get in touch with me is on postpartumsupportinternational.com. So I'm located in Nashville, which I know is not like super convenient for everybody listening. But if you were looking for (laughs) a provider like me, anybody who's been through the trainings from Postpartum Support International or considers themselves an expert in this field, their directory information is on their website and you can look by location. So if you're looking for somebody who specializes in this, whether it's a therapist dietitian, a med provider like myself, you can can look there. Awesome. 
Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Thank you so much, Kayla. Kayla Hayes, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you want to learn more about us, you can visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy. Guys, please feel free to like us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Leave us a review only because we are like talking to the wind out here, actually. But people are always (laughs) so nice, which is really, really like we appreciate it and Instagram and Facebook y'all thank you so much and we hope you all have a good week thanks guys thank you so much bye